but it's just those different level of emotion that we lay down on the timeline of the event. So it's not only about planning, you know, the menu, the cocktail, the entertainment, it's planning those emotions that will create an emotional connection and will make guests remember the brand, remember the event in a very special way. Welcome to No More Bad Events, a fun and insightful podcast for professional event organizers and for anyone at any level interested in producing nothing but the best events. Each week, we'll talk with legendary event professionals to get an inside look into what they think makes a great event. And in the process, we'll draw out insider secrets, non-traditional approaches, and compelling stories from the most captivating personalities in the business. We'll definitely get the skinny on reaching that one big goal. No more bad events. I'm your host, Scott Bloom, comedian, event MC, and now your podcast host. Let's get started. No More Bad Events is produced and presented by eSpeakers, the most trusted, easy-to-use, full-service online platform for finding, connecting with, and hiring the best keynote speakers, hosts, and presenters in the world. With the deepest catalog of professionals available through the eSpeakers marketplace, you can be assured that the speaker you book will be the absolute best speaker based on your goals, bar none. eSpeakers, the number one way to find your next perfect speaker. For more information, go to eSpeakers.com. Bonjour, bonjour, bonsoir, bonne nuit. Bienvenue, you know, welcome, welcome, welcome to No More Bad Events. Why am I speaking like this? I do not know. I think I'm speaking this way, to be honest with you, because I'm, I'm sort of affected by our, our guest today. My, my guest today is a very cultured French gentleman. He's a French gentleman living in New York right now. It's actually uh, Thomas Serrano. Thomas is founder and CEO of Exclamation Group, an experiential agency dedicated to opulent brands. We're talking Bulgari, Hermes, Van Cleef and Arpels. Put a little French accent there. Van Cleef and Arpels. As you listen to Thomas, you'll see he is quite the expert in this super exclusive realm. Another expression that comes to mind is ooh la la. Ooh la la is a great way to describe this episode because this episode is perfection at its best. It's about creating events for luxury brands. That's what we talk about. It's about mapping out an exquisite emotional journey for your guests. And it's also about creating seamless, extraordinary moments for folks who have it all and have seen it all. But the cool thing about Thomas is that the steps he takes in curating these one-of-a-kind, off-the-chart affairs are transferable to any event planner. He talks about those steps, then shares the skinny on the fine detail. For example, he says... Give your guests space. It says luxury and privilege. And give them access to something that they would not ordinarily have access to. And then connect it all to a story. Then it becomes unforgettable. And speaking of stories, Thomas regales us with quite a few of his own, including a story about his personal journey from Paris to New York. It's all a perfect demonstration. Mwah! of no more bad events. C'est bon. With that, 
Meet my new mon ami, Monsieur Thomas Serrano. What I talk about is in order to make connections with people, you need to make an emotional connection. And I know that's what you talk about. So let's jump right into it. Now, I know you have decades of experience as well, working with big names like L'Oreal, Swarovski, Bulgari, Dom Perignon. So how is managing and planning these type of luxury events different from, let's say, a typical conference? Is the clientele expecting more? Is there more pressure to impress? I would say yes. And for different reasons, I think it's really important to see that when you organize an event for a luxury brand, it's usually focusing about craftsmanship and the quality of their product and services. So all of a sudden, the attention to details, it's much bigger. It's all about perfection. So that's one main element that makes it you know, very specific to the luxury industry. The other one is people who are invited to those type of luxury events, they can afford pretty much everything. So they have seen a lot of things that are well-traveled. So it means that the level of expectation is, is really high. After that, I would say across the board, any corporate event, there's always, you know, a lot of expectation. It's always stressful for the speakers or for the people organizing it. But I would say the level of details and also if you're speaking to an internal audience or an external audience is a little bit, it's a little bit different. And if it's a global audience, I guess there's even more you know, pressure because people travel from around the world to be attending that specific moment. And that's what we do for a living. We only do those very large scale luxury events where the client, usually now, if you speak at big organization, our client, LVMH Group, Caring Group, Richmond Group, they all have event departments that organize their events. But when it comes to organize something that is a little bit more special, where you have a big celebrity or global launch, they will come to us because we have that experience and we can help them with the design, the narrative, the storytelling, the emotional connection, and also, you know, the logistics to back it up to make sure that is a flawless experience. So, I mean, in terms of pressure to put on a great event, you're sort of representing the brand. So if the brand is high quality, is elegant, I assume that the meaning has to represent that as well. Yes, we have to be meaningful. So we have to make sure that when we do an event, it is unique to the asset of that brand. It has to look like that brand. You know, we have to embody the DNA of the brand, understand the heritage and make them look, you know, modern and relevant to today. So that's for sure the first element into the brief that we take into consideration. And I would say that's maybe the easiest for us because we have been doing it forever. The second one is how to be meaningful to the audience, which is a little bit more challenging. Why would they come to see a new watch or a new necklace? You know, why would they make the time to come to us? Those people are busy. They have a lot of other invitation to attend. So that's again, how do we make sure that we have that special, you know, promise that will make them from receiving the invitation or the save the day that the storytelling is starting and they are really eager to come. And after, obviously, we try to make it one of a kind. It has to be very distinctive and we have to deliver on the emotion to make it very memorable for them. I was doing some research on you and I found this quote and I thought it was a great quote to sort of summarize your perspective on putting together and producing these type of events. You said it's about taking a relationship at the beginning that is sometimes transactional. And then in the end, making sure it's about curiosity, about how much the attendees learn about the brand and how they feel a connection 
with a brand. How do you build that relationship? I know you were talking about it starts from the save the date. But while they're there, what are some elements that you rely on to build that relationship? So there is, you know, a couple of recipes that we use. What is interesting is that you want to make sure that when you do your scenario, you do your, you know, run of show of the overall, you want to map the emotional journey of the guest. And that's very important. I think we're the only agency really doing it the way we do it. And when we try to map that, there is a couple of criteria that we're going through. So we're looking at, is that going to be in terms of relationship to answer your question? Is it going to be a personal or a collective experience for the first five minutes or the last five minutes or in the middle? So is it personal or is it collective? What emotion are we delivering? Is it nostalgia? Is it joy? Or is it just quiet luxury moments? Or is it just delight? Or is it just, you know, enjoying a cocktail? After we mix that with the level of intensity, nostalgia could be just a light, delightful moment or nostalgia could be something very deep, you know, that brings you tears. And after the last one is, are we asking the guests to interact? Are we engaging with them? Is it very an interactive experience or is something just passive? You come and you enjoy that beautiful, I don't know, flower, massive arrangement in the middle of the room. And we're not asking you anything else than just you know, smell the flyers and enjoy the design where you may have the product hidden right in the middle. I'm inventing, <laughs> but it's just those different level of emotion that we lay down on the timeline of the event. So it's not only about planning, you know, the menu, the cocktail, the entertainment, it's planning those emotion that will create an emotional connection and will make guests remember the brand, remember the event in a very special way, because I believe most of the large corporate events in the US are not special enough. The recipe is like, oh, let's find a good venue, we'll bring some good food, we'll have good people and we'll be a good event. It's not good enough to spend that much time and money to deliver with such low expectation. So I use that technique that I learned from actually in New York, from producers of different Broadway shows that map the emotional journey. And we do the same and it helps us a lot and helps also our clients to have a step back, you know, before the event, before you deliver the event, a couple of weeks before we can look at that together and we can say, are we delivering what we were meant to deliver when we started, you know, that project four, five, six months ago. And that's something that we enjoy doing because we are passionate about building those relationships. And I think that's the most important for the brand. You don't want to be the brand that is perceived just as that. You know, luxury, it's everything beyond, but not transactional. You know, there is no need to buy an extra scarf from Hermes or to buy another set of glasses from Baccarat that are very expensive. There is no need for that. So if there is a need, it's because emotionally you feel that this is something that can make you more privileged, feel more special, but to drink or to get warmer, you can have a different scar that will be much more efficient and will keep you much warmer than the Hermes one. You know, we're talking about exclusive brands. Is there a sense of making the guests feel like this is an exclusive event? that you're making them special. I mean, I want to talk more about this emotional journey because the motion hits at all different points. It senses, it's how we feel when we're, we're at the event. So talk to me a little bit about the feeling of exclusivity. It seems like that would be important at these events. Yeah, it's a good question. Exclusivity for me, the first, when you ask me, it feels like 
you know the negative space that you have in advertising, in design, in a poster? That's sure. what luxury is about. Luxury is a lot about the negative space. It means that you want to have that privilege that you're among those happy few and there is no big crowd. Basically, space is luxury. If you go to a first class in a plane and you go to an economic, the big difference is the space. How much more space do you have? Same in a restaurant, same in a theater. So that's the first definition of exclusivity in an event that you feel like you're among the few people who have been invited. And when you are there, you feel like, you know, it is pleasant to attend and you have your boundaries and you can enjoy the space. The second level of exclusivity is that special, you know, special access to that experience that money cannot buy. Even though you're a millionaire, you live in LA and you can buy that Bentley or that Ferrari, you can buy that cognac bottle. Those brands are going to bring you to a specific museum or to a restaurant with an additional experience that you could not do on your own. And that's also part of that exclusivity that the brand is bringing to you. And why luxury is exclusivity? In my last conversation with the CEO of Hermes for the USA, basically was telling me one of the problems we're having is that we don't have enough product right now for our, so it's the scarcity, you know, and it's, it's the level of exclusivity that there is not enough handbags for everybody to buy the Hermes bag. You have to be patient if you want one. And when you combine those, all those elements, it is the exclusivity of an event where you feel that, you know, it is a privilege to be invited and the experience is going to go the same way. So it seems like, you know, what you're doing when we're talking about sort of emotional mapping, you're telling a story. You want to bring them into the story. You want them to feel good that they're part of this, this exclusive story. So do you produce each event like you're you know, someone might be writing or directing a film or a play or writing a beautiful story. Do you see yourself, do you visualize your guests or visualize yourself if you were going through this? Here are different touch points. Here are different places where they can feel something. Yeah, that's totally true. And I think that's a new approach. People sometimes, you know, enter the event planning through logistics, through production, through different marketing KPI. We enter it through the, the storytelling. We just wrote an immersive theater play for a brand we just delivered in California last week who has the most exclusive writing instrument in the world. And we wrote three chapters of an immersive play and at the opening, in the middle of the dinner and at the closing, and that was exactly that. That's what we do and we convey those stories that are unique to the brand that people can relate to. And actually there was a sense of humor in this one. It was, uh, cannot explain everything, but at the end, we are kidnapping the CEO as a fun moment. Everybody knew it was not a true kidnapping, but we were doing it. You know, he was disappearing during the speech. We're taking him away to bring it back later. So the element of surprise is also important when you do those narratives, like a movie, you know, you want to make sure that people don't expect the end and they are not bored in the middle. So yes, we use the same technique. And I think that's why also luxury client come back to us because it is a unique approach. And I think that's the most efficient, again, to move from a transactional relationship to an emotional one that will make them come back. So in this particular scenario, so there's the idea of using a story as, as a format or even as a metaphor for taking them through an evening. But in this particular instance, was there a sense of we are watching, we are in an immersive play? Was this more deliberate? Yes. 
we have the chance to, you know, design the experience and we don't have the boundary of the theater where everybody has to sit down and there's a stage and everybody's watching, you know, the same thing at the same time. So we designed it with, they were interrupting those actors were interrupting the cocktail as a surprise. Nobody, they were coming in the middle of the night, bringing them all to the dinner to make them discover the dinner. Again, that logistic usually between cocktail and dinner, when you have to walk for a couple of minutes could be just, you know, again, transactional in a way, just a need. I need to walk for five minutes to go to the dinner. No, no, no. You don't need to walk for five minutes. During five minutes, actors are going to be with you and they are going to be interacting with you and you're going to have fun talking to them because usually when you go to theater, you never interact with the actors. You're just, you know, in your seat watching them. You wish you could be on stage, but you cannot. But here you can. So that's what we're doing. We're making sure that there is a way for the guests to have somewhat of a unique experience. I have seen, for example, guests in the middle of an orchestra, you know, classical music orchestra. I mean, when you are two feet away from the first violin, it's once in a lifetime. And I've, I've done it too. The quality, it's not only about the proximity to say, hey, I was in the middle of the orchestra. It's just that the experience is not the same. The quality of the sound, the way you feel immersed, the way you just look at the conductor that is just, you know, next to you, is it's very different. So it's part of our DNA that we like to do to make sure that if we speak theater, if we speak music, we take the components of an entertainment or a concert, or we take the component of a theater play, but we make sure that the guests have a very, very special experience. And usually it comes with that proximity or exclusivity that they cannot deliver, you know, in Broadway, or they cannot deliver in a regular movie theater. You know, what I find interesting is that, you know, we are talking about luxury events, but a lot of these techniques that you're using, the the design is something that can affect, you know, any type of conference. It really plays into your into your field and what, you know, and your clientele. But I like the idea of finding these special moments. Now, at this point, if anyone who's listening hasn't figured this out by the references or your accent, you are actually French. So big reveal here on the show. Uh, so talk to me about how your French, uh, a little bit about your French background. How has your upbringing helped you bring a sort of a European perspective to your planning? And what are some of the unique challenges this presents? And how do you, how do you navigate these challenges? I think the first challenge as a French gentleman coming here in 2008 was to start a business with no connection, you know, even though I spent a year here in high school and I was 17, nothing to do to learn English, went back to, to Paris, did all my studies in Paris, worked in Paris. When I came here and I wanted to start a business, I think the biggest challenge was to meet people. Luckily enough, you know, Americans are pretty friendly and like to connect and it's not, you know, as difficult as it is in France. What brings it, you know, on the positive end is that we have the ability at the agency to connect between that French culture or that European culture where most of the luxury brands come from and the US. So I understand, you know, the French heritage. I understand that those French or Italian brands want to remain modern, but still want to focus on their craftsmanship. And I understand, for example, that a French dinner has to be gastronomic and it has to take forever. <laughs> and I understand that the Americans are not super fan of remaining, you know, at a dinner forever and are much better than the French people at entertainment, you know? So I try to take the 
best of both worlds and and make those two worlds communicate. And I think this is also another asset we have at the agency. So it's something that we really enjoy doing. It's making sure that those two cultures are very embedded into the event and we're delivering something super interesting for the French brand, but also for the American audience. I mean, I think just your European background has to help in some respects just on them feeling that you are connected to their culture and to their history. So that's got to be something that sets you apart, maybe from some other people. But let's talk about your team, because as you are saying, you're blending what was was history, but also what's current going on here. So what, what are some of the most important qualities that an event planner should possess, especially on your team? How do you cultivate those qualities in yourself and with your team? So the management is two of us, is Anastasia and I, we're both coming from Europe. We both have, I think, a high level of understanding of, you know, sophistication and, and luxury. But for the delivery, the execution and the production, we rely on a team that is, of course, based here between New York, Miami and Los Angeles. And it's very important because at the end of the day, we're really hands-on. We're a boutique agency. We don't believe of just, you know, listening to a client, taking the brief and delegating that event to our team and just showing up the day of. I mean, I have done it when I was managing a much larger agencies. Now it's my own. And I think we wanted to design with Anastasia, a boutique agency that will have that artisanal feel, you know, like when you're a shoemaker or you do those beautiful flower bouquet, it's difficult to delegate. There's a know-how, there's an expertise, and you want to make sure that every step you are there on the creation and the production. So, and I think it's a good mix because the American people are very efficient and have very big expertise in the production and you know all the technical aspects of even delivery. And our value as the management team is our relationship with our clients. And as we said initially, the storytelling. But of course, on the delivery, we have a team that is much more involved into the account management, the production, which we divide in three parts, technical production, which is very, you know, heavy lighting, audio, all the techniques around sound and design and so on. We have a second team that is much more into the production of the event as a whole and in charge of the budget, the vendors, and, you know, everything that has to relate to that. And after we have third team that is much more on the logistics, which we call in French, like the savoir recevoir, which is basically the knowledge of hospitality. And they will take care of who is going to welcome the guest, what the invitation is going to look like, what are the flowers going to look like, what is the menu going to look like. Like if you were home, you know, doing your own event, all those touch points are part of the logistic team. And the combination of technical production and logistics are the team we rely on in addition of, of course, account management. The methodologies is very important to us in the team. Of course, a very experienced people is key to us. And I think it's also key to keep some flexibility to be able to hire people that are freelance and that are on those specific locations when you're going to do the event because we want to work with local vendors for sustainability and for other reasons. So it's always important for us to always have people on the ground. So if we do an event in LA, we usually have a part of the team that lives in LA. If we do it in Miami, we do it in New York. Uh, we always have local people in addition of the core team at Exclamation Group. 
And I guess that's also to, once again, keep that sort of artisanal feel. You have the people that are there on the ground who know that particular city, that particular culture, and working that together. So you work with you know event planners, you're working with vendors. So to ensure that they're working together seamlessly, is there not only just a lot of prep time, is there literally in the same way, you know, we're talking about, you know, creating a masterpiece, we're creating a, an event, a play, a, a piece of theater, is rehearsing a big part of that? Is there a, a literal rehearsal process that goes beyond just, hey, you go here, you go here? How detailed do you work that out? Yeah, we do. So we have a very thorough production schedule, as you know, because you're in, you're in business for a long time. We have a very thorough runoff show. And the first rehearsal is offsite around the table. Not a lot of agencies do it. So basically we have all the different team members that represent different. And we go through the runoff show like if we were at the event. It's nine o'clock. Our first guests are landing. As they are landing in the ballroom, we are rehearsing. As we're doing this, the hotel is setting up whatever, the breakfast there and all the components. And we go through the runoff show and we go through everything that can happen. But around the table where people could interact and point like, oh, we forgot that this will not work because if the guests are landing, but the breakfast, but the whatever, the corridor that they want to use for the breakfast, we just close it down, you know, because we are delivering that diamond that is $25 million and security is going to block it for half an hour. So, you know, we find out those things that we don't want to discover on site. And after, in addition of the rehearsal, it's all about what happens if it rains, of course. What happens if there is no more power? What happens if a guest faints? You know, what happens? So we go through all those unexpected moments. We cannot cover them all, but we try to cover as much as we can. And when we rehearse, of course, we have, you know, technical rehearsal, dress rehearsal. But I would say that most of it comes from the months and months of preparation where we have a dedicated team. And I think that's important too. It's not that we try to have a team that will take care of five projects at the same time and just run from one to the other. At one point, there's a, there's a project, there is a team that is dedicated to that project. It takes more time, it takes more money, but that's the way it works. And they can concentrate on that one specifically and make sure they have enough time to think it through and make it that perfect delivery that the client is expecting. So that's how we like to work. It's not, you know, the most efficient sometimes for an agency when you manage, you wish your account manager could take three clients and just go magically and deliver three at one, you know, at the same time. But I've been an account manager. I've been, you know, dealing with so many clients at the same time that I used to complain to my boss, like, I'm going to forget something. I'm going to miss something. I cannot, you know, manage that many clients. So now that I am the boss, I'm making sure that everybody's dedicated to their task. And until they deliver it completely, we we'll let them focus. It's important and it's part of the of the DNA of Exclamation Group as a boutique agency again. Yeah, it's interesting because as you start to grow, you you know, and as you continue to grow, you're going to constantly trying to be bringing on new people. And then there's that whole training process to get your philosophy, get the, you know, people who have the same passion you have to creating these, you know, world-class events. So what advice would you give to someone either who's joining your company or someone who's interested in starting a career in, in event planning, particularly in the luxury market? What would be the big advice you would give them? Don't expect too much growth. If you want to remain true to yourself, I'm just being, you know, really honest here. I'm not expecting to grow the company too much. 
We did mm-hmm. six events last year. We will not do more than eight. We cannot. Oh, yes. I need a second Thomas. I need a second Anastasia. And I don't know those people. And I want to remain, you know, in charge, involved with my clients. And that's our promise. When we go to a client and he's asking us, we said, you know, this is us. We own the company. We manage it, but we'll be your project manager. We'll be with you. You're the CMO. You're the CEO. You're going to be on stage. You're going to be the one at risk. If it doesn't go well, we're here to back you up. We're not going to disappear. So that artisan, you know, hands-on, it's very important to us. So, yeah. You know, as we wind down here, you've talked about some really memorable experiences. Is there one or two events that really stand out that were not only executed flawlessly, but it was more about the feedback that you got from the audience. You felt their experience of having goosebump moments. There was a a vibe and energy in the room because you created this emotional experience and it really did lock them into the brand, kept them connected to the brand. Any come to mind? So we did a global launch for a car and it was Ford and Ford is not a luxury brand, but they came to us because they only had one. And they say, it has to be treated like a jewel. It has to be treated like a jewelry. It's one of a kind. And we designed an experience. It was in Berlin. Just to summarize, at the end, it was only the press, global journalists that traveled from all around the world to see that car. And they all stand up and they, you know, give a round of applause, which for me, it's expected, nothing special. Until the CEO of Ford Europe came to me and said, wow, could not believe that happened. And I was wondering what he was talking about. Because when you're a journalist in the automotive industry, you're supposed to remain neutral. You are not supposed to show at the end of the showcasing of Toyota, Ford, or Lexus that, you know, you have been... (laughs) you know, cheering for that brand more than, more than another. So that's one that was interesting to me. And to give you a second one, it's just about the reaction of the audience. I was doing a show in a big stadium in Paris with 80,000 spectators. And at one point during the halftime, we were delivering a show and we were trying to get, you know, the 80,000 people to do what we call the Ola. You know, everybody stands and, you know, put their arms up and they do it in a certain way. So it goes across and around the, the stadium. And we were crazy enough to promise to that brand that people will do it. They will do it for us. You know, we'll ask them. And they did. And it was, you know, they were not cheering for their special team. They were not cheering for their favorite soccer player. It was was during a soccer game with with friends playing. But so, yes, we had those very special moments where guests just relay journalists or soccer fans to our event so much that they just, you know, stand up and starting to upload. And it was our gift. It was what we work for. You know, I think what I'm taking away from this conversation is even though you have a, a niche in this sort of event world with luxury events, high end events, that the Ford was a great example of how you can bring that same sort of attitude, that same sort of spirit and design to every conference. I mean, you can definitely put together a workshop for other event planners to say, hey, this is how we do it with Bulgari, but this is how you can do it with your X brand to give it that feeling of specials, a feeling of this is a one of a kind experience. Every event should be that way. So I learned a lot, definitely listening to you. I love this idea of 
mapping an emotional journey, that there is a story that you're telling, you're taking the audience around, taking them through an experience, that there are different touch points that you can affect them. And I think every event professional is listening to this should keep that in mind when creating an event. I think that's uh, that's real important. So Thomas, thank you so much for joining us here. I had a, a great time speaking to you. Thanks so much uh, for joining us here on No More Bad Events. Thank you very much, Scott. Thank you for having me. That's it for now. I've been your host, Scott Bloom, corporate event MC and comedic keynote speaker. And of course, your connoisseur of connections. Oh, by the way, if you're interested, you can book me for your next event on eSpeakers Marketplace at eSpeakers.com forward slash marketplace. And if you like what you heard, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. If you loved what you heard, drop us a review and don't forget to share with your friends. No More Bad Events is produced and presented by eSpeakers. Thanks so much for listening. Now go out and make your event a great one.